Hello everyone, welcome back to Chip It and Chill the Anime Podcast. In this podcast, it's all about anime and manga, talking about your favourite series, in-depth looks at characters, the history of anime and manga, the industry as a whole, and a whole lot more. Everything in between, anything anime, anything manga, I'm going to talk about it. In last week's episode, it was all about Howl's Moving Castle, the iconic Studio Ghibli film, one of my absolute favourite piece of anime in general I guess definitely one of my favorite anime films and in that episode it was 15 facts you didn't know about the iconic film by Studio Ghibli that episode is out now everywhere so wherever you found this episode you'll find that one so be sure to check that out I'm sure I'm sure you'll learn something new I definitely did doing some research I'm recording that episode for you guys so one more thing before we dive into today's episode if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, check out the Apple Podcasts exclusive weekly anime and manga series podcast I do as well. So it's called Chibi Peace Exclusive and new episodes release every Sunday and I discuss the top five anime and manga industry news stories for the past week, the past seven days and some mini highlights and also a weekly anime recommendation for you to check out. It's a paid subscription however there is a seven day free trial for you to try out so you can get one episode free see if you like it see if you like me going through the news with you and you can subscribe from there it's exclusive to apple Podcasts, so you won't find episodes anywhere else with new episodes coming out every single sunday so a perfect little update and anime kind of episode ready for the weekend ready to get you started into a nice relaxed sunday lovely So enough promotion, enough kind of mentioning of that kind of stuff in this week's episode of the normal Chibi and Chill anime podcast. It's all about manga and this episode is going to be part of, it's the first episode of a new series, mini series that I'm doing called The History of Manga. Way back when, when I first started the podcast and kind of started a mini series for the history of anime that helped kickstart the podcast and now... It's time to do the history of manga. It's been long enough and I really am itching to know more about manga and what a perfect way to do it then on the podcast and have you join the journey with me. Let's dive through the history of manga. So in this first part, in this first episode of the series, it's going to be more the very early history of manga and in the second episode, I'll be going through the more modern side of manga as well. So be sure to follow the podcast, be sure to subscribe, Normally, it's free to subscribe to the normal Chibi and Chill episodes, so you won't miss an episode if you subscribe. So without further ado, let's dive into the very early history of manga. So anime and manga go hand in hand with both the mediums kind of feeding each other and supporting each other. And most anime series begin life firstly as a manga series with many of them being short serializations in weekly magazines such as Shonen Jump. And these stories are then compiled into volumes for people to purchase in order and they can complete the story and read through them consecutively instead of buying the magazine weekly. These often come out after the or in the later stages of the serialization. 
So annual sales of manga books and magazines reach between 35 and 40% of all publications in Japan. So that just speaks for their over overlying popularity and that's only in Japan. They're, it's become a an absolute phenomenon and alongside anime, manga and anime have become keystones and cornerstones of Japanese culture and they're so influential in the rest of western culture and global culture especially pop culture and we'll start to see that later on especially in the second episode of this series so manga is very closely associated with japanese society and culture and includes different genres from adventure action business comedy historical genres drama detective horror romance mystery science fantasy fiction sports and many more so essentially if you can write a story about it there will be a manga about it so manga refers to two kanji words, which is kind of uh, the writing style of, or one of the writing styles in Japan. So the first word is mon, which stands for entertaining or exaggerated, and ga, which means, which can be interpreted, I guess, as drawing or image or visual. So hence the name manga, which can be defined as a quick sketch or rough drawing or cartoon. And you'll start to see that kind of you can see, you'll start to see as we move through how the term quick sketch very quickly or rough drawing very quickly became cartoon towards a more modern side. So they're different from American or Western style comic books that are fully printed in colour or traditionally are. And Japanese manga is always, always in black and white. And Western cultures usually read from left to right while Japanese manga goes from right to left. And it's always really, really funny when you see someone pick up a manga for the first time and you automatically, here in the West, go from left to right. And you have to... There's always that page at the at the back that says you're reading it the wrong way. And you kind of have to read that page to realise that you have to flip the book over to, to read it. I did that so many times when I started reading manga as a kid. And it's it's strange at the beginning. And every like my mum and dad... And I'm sure everyone else's parents used to kind of say, you're reading it the wrong way, and you kind of have to explain the whole left, right, right, left kind of thing. But it's a rite of passage, I guess, that kind of stuff now. But humans have used illustrations and sketches to communicate for thousands of years, and the first comics were created back in 1902. However, manga has been around much, much earlier and the, than the first comic book. And manga had its origin way back, way back in the 13th century. A manga is said to originate from, now, side note here, there are some Japanese words and Japanese names here, and I am an English guy, I will probably butcher these names, and I apologise in advance. But manga is said to originate from Amakimono, Akimono, which are scrolls, and they're dating back from the 12th to 13th centuries, and during the Edo period, which was 1603 to 1867, Another book of drawings, Toba Ihon, embedded the concept of manga. So it was very, very early on in Japanese history that these were kind of conceptualised and the styles started to kind of flow through a little bit. So there is evidence in the form of scrolls such as these created by Japanese Buddhist monks, which created in one continuous format. So they were like very, very long scrolls. They weren't serialised like a magazine like we are today. But they displayed characters depicting certain animals that behaved just like humans. And this is actually in the British Museum, I believe. 
So there are a set of painted hand scrolls that show rabbits, monkeys and other animals bathing in a river, frogs and rabbits wrestling and other scenes where animals behave like humans known as the hand scroll of frolicking animals. The Tale of the Monkeys was made in the late 1500s and follows on from this and shows monkeys acting out serious and comical human situations and it includes early examples of the speech bubbles and there is a Japanese word for that and that is fukudashi and other techniques essential to modern manga such as figures appearing multiple times within a single illustration, a strong sense of visual progression in the story and funny details within a larger scene and the dominance of the visual action over text. So by the late 1700s, Japanese artists were combining pictures and words in comic illustrated novels called Kiyobashi. No, Kibyoshi. I'm sorry, I forgot that. That the commented on and sometimes satirized aspects of contemporary society. So these were kind of like they saw what was going on in life and they made fun of it essentially. And these novels were published in large numbers, mainly for newly rich and literate urban audiences. And these showed that from an early state, manga was used kind of politically and kind of they kind of explored and communicated what was going on in the, in the wide world but i said the wide world the wide world of japan and the society of japan and you know only the rich could really afford these scrolls and kind of kind of read them and understand them and that kind of concept of the rich only being able to afford things like this like literacy literacy and being literate and reading and, th- and books and things like that that's something we see throughout the entire world we see that Throughout the history of the world, it's not just Japan that kind of made this kind of an exclusive kind of concept. The West and especially countries such as England and, and other countries were notorious for this, you know, especially in like Victorian era and things like that. That kind of time, it the wealth system and the hierarchies of class and structure and society was was the thing. That's how you lived and, you know, money talks, I guess. I guess that's maybe where that where that concept comes from. But the history of the manga concept only began to properly take shape during the Edo period, period, which is 1603 to 1867, when books of drawings known as Tobihion, which we've already kind of mentioned, but we'll dive into a little bit further now, were released. And then during the late 18th century, manga's popularity increased with the release of works like Santo Kayodan's picture book called Shiji no Yukai. So the word manga first came into usage in the late 18th century. So we've got these scrolls and all these kind of satirical kind of works being made, but the word manga wasn't quite used just yet. However, because of their styling and because of how modern manga has kind of referenced these pieces of work, or we see the techniques being used in modern modern manga that we've seen in these works, they're connected. So they're part of these the manga history, I guess. So the word manga first came into usage in the late 18th century, though it only came to refer to various forms of cartooning in the 1890s and did not become a common word until around 1920. So the word manga seemed to almost have, though I guess the style of manga specifically didn't get used for that until 1920. But in 1814, the famous artist Hokushai, Hokusai, sorry, known for the, the artwork, The Great Wave of Kanagawa, used the term manga for his sketchbooks. 
So we have chosen this term to express the notion of drawings caught on the spot, which I guess references back to the word manga being used for quick, quick sketch and rough drawing, things like that. So he used the word manga for his sketchbooks and we've all seen how amazing the Great Wave of Kanagawa is. It's just an iconic piece of Japanese art and it's kind of cool that he used that word for his sketchbooks. So as you kind of explore the works that were being made and called manga or referencing this manga idea and using the techniques that we see in manga, there are thing there are plenty of them. There's so many and a collection of illustrations he called Hokusai Manga, which included scenes of daily life as well as landscapes, natural elements, representations of Japanese mythology as well as Japanese spirits. His artwork enjoyed great success in Japan and abroad so these were massively popular people loved this and I guess maybe that's foreshadowing maybe that's history foreshadowing the popularity that manga has today you know taking 40% of Japanese uh, book sales that's enormous that's an enormous amount of growth and development and sale and during the Meiji period when the isolation policy of Japan came to an end when the Western influences gained a strong presence in the country when people could go into Japan. This was the beginning of Japanese modernization, inspired by the Western economic and industrial models. So both art forms of expression were evolving. So literacy, art, all this kind of stuff, all the art forms essentially, started to kind of get these influences from the outside world, whereas Japan, up until this time, had been shut off from the rest of the world. They decided to shut away the country and not take any of these influences in at all until this time and in 1902 again is a Japanese name coming up and I'm so sorry I'll try again in 1902 Kitazawa Rakuten published the first modern manga with four boxes per page and typed text so that essentially that essentially is is one of the earliest ones where we see the panelization or the panels in manga so, you know, the traditional kind of comic book style where you have these rectangular blocks and each block has a different part of the story or they progress the story or, you know, they have text and things like that. That's the kind of first time that we start to see modern manga in the form that we know it today. So I guess he would have been inspired by the blockiness of the the westernised comics that he saw from this opening of Japan during the Meiji period and thanks to that opening and re-inviting of the other cultures into Japan we're able to develop the panelization within comics and manga specifically like we see in modern manga today. So eventually Japanese publishers took their cues from English language and came out in the 1920s with monthly magazines focused on manga intended at first for boys which was Shunen Club to girls, which is Shoujo Club, and then to youth adults, Yonan Club. But the Second World War interrupted the takeoff of the manga phenomenon. Of course, World War II completely, completely changed the global landscape. So, you know, everything paused during that time. However, let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into the different types of manga that exist. So in the West, there seems to be this kind of thought that manga is only made for children. However, there is a type of genre of manga for everyone. And it's aimed at various age groups and demographics, not only children. And also, 
Manga doesn't have to be only for entertainment either. There is a genre of manga that is meant for educational purposes as well. So first off we have the Komodo manga which is a comic book for children similar to Pokemon. The Shonen manga addressed to teenagers so these are kind of like presents the event adventures of orphaned heroes and battles such as like Dragon Ball and Naruto that kind of style. We have Shoujo manga which is mainly for young girls focused on love and friendship and stories of schoolgirls such as Nana. And the Sinem manga reserved for students or young adults covers more is more realistic or slightly slightly darker themes so an- anime and manga such as Death Note and Attack on Titan feature into this genre. The Jose manga, which is the feminine version of Sinon, along with those, it's kind of like citrus, that kind of vibe. And then we have hentai, which is for 18-year-olds and above, because it's a lot more adult in content and art style. So you can see there that there are, they're the main ones. There are some subcultures of manga that kind of blur the lines between some of them. And some of them fit into multiple genres. However, those are the core ones. And you can see that it goes from children all the way until a kind of adult, I guess. You know, so it's so broad. And anyone at any age can get into the manga hobby, I guess. After the occupation of Japan by America, the American style comics that we mentioned had marked a kind of a marked influence on the manga art style. For example, where Tezuka Asamu who was a Japanese manga artist or mangakas as they're called now and the term mangaka started to kind of come about in the industry at this kind of time as well. He created works such as Astro Boy and we mentioned Astro Boy multiple times on this podcast. It's so influential not only in manga but also in anime. That was absolutely a, a milestone for the industries, both industries. I did mention Astro Boy as well in the History of Anime series, so do do check that out if you do want to find out more about Astro Boy. But that series combined Western themes with traditional manga elements and absolutely put Japan on the map. And in the late 1940s, the post-war occupation of Japan by Allied forces introduced new forms of censorship. So Japanese people also had little cash to spend, so... A trend emerged in Osaka for printing cheap, long-format storybook manga called Red Books, which were, in Japanese, the Akahon, which were sold at roadside stalls. So it's kind of like, almost like bootleg stories. And one successful Red Book was called New Treasure Island, and it was produced in 1947 by Tezuka Asamu and Saki Tsushima, and it sold... Sold four hundred thousand copies, and that's a wrote kind of a bootleg, you know, almost self-published that kind of vibe. You know, that's amazing. That it sold four hundred thousand copies. People loved that story. And can we fast forward a little bit? So the nineteen fifties and sixties saw the manga boom in Japan, and republication magazines had been published monthly. Were now published weekly. A whole generation of mangakas followed in Tezuka's footsteps and threw themselves into adventure mangas. And they drew and wrote at a absolutely like machine pace. They had to pump these stories out to keep up with the demand for the public. And it's at this time they saw that this was a, a gold mine, I guess. But this was something special and manga was something to stay in Japan. 
It was also it was also then that the earliest republished series were reissued in a format similar to paperback, which was the volumization that we see today, and the the collection of these stories that were being put in these weekly, well now weekly, publications and magazines. So I guess you could kind of say it's, it's thanks to the 1940s and the Agahon Red Books that people's appetite for manga kind of stayed throughout the times and stayed throughout the kind of rough times that that they'd gone through. And thanks to the Akahon, people wanted more of this. And especially thanks to the, what was it called? New Treasure Island. Thanks to New Treasure Island selling 400,000 copies. I, I'm sure that somewhere down manga's history... They are responsible for the manga boom that happened 10, 20 years later. And it's thanks to the Akahon that we have manga today in the format and the popularity and level of manga that we have today. So in this first part of the History of Manga series, mini-series for the podcast, we've seen the very, very early developments of the manga concepts and characteristics way back in the 12th and 13th century and we've seen the development of that all the way through to slightly more modern times, so the 1890s, that kind of time. And then through into the 1920s, and we've seen the merging of two cultures, I guess, and how the Japanese cultures and Western cultures, especially the American kind of occupation of Japan, and how that really impacted and inspired and kind of altered the course of manga and how it introduced the panelization, that kind of kind of storylines and kind of technical storytelling with the panels and how that's carried through into modern or slightly more modern versions of manga and we've seen the Akahon with the red books and how kind of like bootleg stories would be made on the side of the road and how popular and how they how popular they were and how they fed the appetite for manga so In the next episode, I'll go through much more modern times of manga, such as the 70s, 80s and 90s, and we'll go through the key characteristics of the manga format, dive deep into the genres of manga and much more. We'll look into kind of how key storylines and key series have affected the world of manga and how they're inspiring other mangakas at the same time. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Thank you for joining me on the start of a new mini-series. If you did like this episode, please do leave a rating and a review. It's free and it takes a couple of seconds to do, but it really, really does support the show and I'd really greatly appreciate it. Next week, we'll be back to a kind of more, a different topic as normal, a different week of the topic. However, at some point, we will return to the History of Manga Part 2. I'm not entirely sure when, I need to do a lot more research for that episode, but keep your eyes peeled. Be sure to follow the podcast and you won't miss the episode as it comes out. If you're a mega fan of anime, then why not check out my brand new Patreon monthly subscription club. There are three tiers of membership, Chibi Fan, Chibi Super Fan and Chibi Mega Fan, with each tier being better than the last. Each month, for one cost, you'll receive free prints, free downloads and much, much more, including exclusive behind-the-scenes videos, photos and more of how I create my prints and anime-themed artwork. If you'd like to receive exclusive updates and anime-themed goodies every single month delivered straight to you, then why not check out my Patreon? The link's down below. I'm sure you'll love being a part of the Chibi Weeb fan club. 
Sometimes finding a birthday card or an occasion card can be a boring task. However, I have some anime themed cards on my thoughtful.co.uk creator profile which is found in my links on social media. Over on Thoughtful you'll find a bunch of anime themed cards such as Studio Ghibli Happy Birthday cards and more with my range being updated regularly. Each card is processed by thoughtful.co.uk with shipping being fast, quick and efficient. You can shop my anime themed cards over on my Instagram with my links being over on there. Search Chibiweeb Anime and you'll find me. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for checking out the podcast. It really does mean a lot. Please do leave a rating and a review down below. It really does support the show and it's free to do. I'll see you next time. I'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend. If you're a subscriber or if you're thinking of subscribing or starting the free trial on Apple Podcasts, I'll see you on Sunday for the next episode of the Chibi Peace exclusive Apple Podcast exclusive episode on Sunday. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye.